Chapter Twelve of Miss D. Dunmore Bryant by Pansy. The Slibrivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. I think as much. Another thing that Ben had forgotten was Miss Webster's scheme for setting Daisy up in business. He thought of it at dinner time when he saw the dolls set in solemn rows about the study and heard Daisy's grave remark that she was afraid they felt crowded, but it was the best she could do but it was two days before he had a chance to talk the matter over with his mother. Daisy was close at her side all day, and in the evening Mrs. Bryant went out to care for the sleeping baby while its parents were away. Meantime, he did not wait for Daisy's absence to settle that other question. They were at the tea-table when he made a bold dash into what, for several reasons, was hard for him to say. Mother, does what I earn at the store help you a good deal? Yes, indeed, said Mrs. Bryant, with great heartiness. You will never realize how much it helps, Ben, until you come to be the provider of a family. Perhaps you won't even then, with a bright little laugh which really covered a sigh, because it is just possible that your pocketbook will be so well filled that you may not realize little helps, but I can assure you I do this was a bad beginning ben was so silent and grave over it that his mother watching him a moment hastened to add not but that i believe we could get along with less if you see your way to better things in the future by taking a little less wages now and line said oh mother i don't see how we could the worst of it is ben said at last finding that his mother was waiting for him in some anxiety that I don't see any way to earn a cent anywhere else, and yet... Then he came to a period. It was very trying when they were all so anxious. Line felt as though she would like to shake him, and even gentle Daisy asked, Why don't you tell about it quick, Ben? I think as much, said Line. Have you lost your place, Ben? I'm sure I don't know what we will do if you have. We just managed to live now, and that is all. Said Mrs. Bryant, Be quiet, Caroline. Ben, my boy, tell mother what it is that troubles you. Have you had any accident at the store? No, ma'am, said Ben, low-voiced, and wishing with all his heart that Line and Daisy were both asleep. There hasn't been any accident, only I've been thinking a good deal about things lately, and I'm afraid some of them you wouldn't like. I know I don't. The long and short of it is, mother, he said, gathering courage as he thought of the sprawling boy on the ice and of the laughing comments. They sell cider at our store, lots of it. Sweet cider, they call it, but I don't think it is very sweet, and... Another period. Have you been called upon to sell cider? Mrs. Bryant's face was growing pale, and there was a dangerous flash in her eyes such as her children seldom saw there. "'Oh, no, ma'am, of course not. There wouldn't be any chance to think twice if I had. But you see, mother, the boys like me pretty well here in town, and they drop in there to see me, and get in the habit of taking a glass of cider, when maybe they wouldn't if they didn't come for my sake in the first place.' and then anyhow a fellow doesn't feel exactly consistent somehow to be in the store where the thing is going on when he has such ideas about it as i have 
Mrs. Bryant was not through with her supper. The bread had given out, and they were having a treat out of a cup of sour milk and a stale loaf from the baker's. The two, with the help of a little soda and salt, had changed into some delicious flannel cakes, which had made Daisy wish that the bread would always give out just at supper-time, so the evening meal had been prolonged beyond its usual length. But Mrs. Bryant laid down her knife and fork, and came with a quick step to her son's side, put one hand on his head, and with the other lifted up his face, and deliberately kissed it. "'And you do not want nor mean to stay there,' she said. "'God bless you, my boy. If you had given me a hundred-dollar bill of your own honest earning, it would not have begun to give me the pleasure which those words do. Of course you need not stay, not another hour. We can manage, even if you find nothing else to do.' Said Line, in her most emphatic tone, I think as much. As for Ben, he had a chance once more to contrast in his own mind the difference between mothers. On his way home he had occasion to stop at Mrs. Kedwin's to deliver a large order for dried peaches, and had stood talking with Rufus a moment, during which they had discussed an item of news. Joe Bailey has gone to Peterson's saloon as a clerk, announced rufus he gets real good wages too did you know that mother no said mrs kedwin take the applesauce in dinah jane look out for that stew it is burning i wish folks didn't have to have stews and all sorts of things for their supper after having a good dinner it doesn't seem necessary i'm glad of it rufus his mother needs good wages if anybody does and joe will save some of them for her i suppose though he isn't the best boy in the world, I'm afraid. Mrs. Kedwin always had to mix her conversation with directions to the girls about tea or baking or some household care. She rescued two dishes from a tumble and gave three more orders before she replied to Ben's dismayed exclamation, Why, Peterson keeps a liquor saloon. Well, he keeps oysters and other things, too. Still, I suppose Joe will have to help at all of it. It seems too bad, but I don't believe he'll take to liquor. He has had such a sorry example set before him in his own home. He was quite a big boy when his father froze to death after a drunken spree. I should kind of hate to have him there if I were Mrs. Bailey, but what can poor folks do? They have to take what work they can get, and work is very scarce in this town. I'm glad you've got a good place, Ben. I hope you'll hold on to it, and I know you will, for everybody knows you are a good, steady boy, and your mother needs your help. And then Ben had gone home to the supper-table and the flannel cakes, and told his short, troubled story, because he felt that he mustn't dally with his conscience another minute, that something happened all the time to make it seem harder to take a stand. Was it much wonder that the contrast between mothers struck him forcibly? So now— he said to himself, it is plain sailing as far as mother is concerned. What a tip-top mother she is. The next thing is, what will Mr. Sewell say? What he said was to argue with his young clerk, to assure him that he had given satisfaction and would be sure to rise in time, and then to do what was a very unusual thing for Mr. Sewell, actually offer him a little more wages. And then, as it finally became necessary for Ben to own that he had no other place in view, 
that he was very anxious to work that his mother needed the money and that the cider barrel was the sole thing in the way of his staying where he was mr sewell after taking it pleasantly as a sort of joke at first and trying to argue him out of his position grew positively angry called him a fool declared that he would give him no recommendation whatever and that he hoped it would be a long day before he found work that he did not deserve that all this palaver about principle was just an excuse for getting a chance to loaf around in idleness and that he would ruin his mother with his pig-headedness as his father had before him with his bad habits serves me right said ben drawing himself up to his full height and looking as manly as possible all this abuse serves me right mr sewell for having been mean enough to go to work in the first place in a store where they sold hard cider for sweet if my mother had known it i wouldn't have stayed here an hour but i never thought of it at first i wonder how i could have been such an idiot and i promise you i never will be again whereupon he walked out of mr sewell's store resolved never to enter it again trembling he was so that he could hardly walk the idea of that man insulting the memory of his father oh to have been able to say it is false and you know it my father had no bad habits my father was always a grand true man the mean mean fellow he said aloud burning with indignation when he knew my father reformed and for years and years before he died never drank a drop how could he bear to say such a thing as that to his son if he had not been on the public street a long way from home i think ben would have broken down and cried outright so keenly did he feel the sting of the insult which had been given to his father's name like all insults the bitterness of it lay in the fact that it had about it a shade of truth but it was something which must be borne in secret not for the world would he have let his mother know what that man had said he brushed away a few of the bitterest tears that had ever gathered in his eyes and gave himself at once to the wearisome business of looking for a chance to earn something a vain look so far as this long day was concerned there was not even a horse to be tied to a post or untied for some lady driver there was absolutely nothing all day by which he could earn a cent to carry home at night and though it was the middle of the week mr sewell had refused to pay him anything for this week's work assuring him that he had forfeited it at the same time refusing his offer to stay the week out as ben had supposed he must in honor do i'm glad he did not require it of you mrs bryant said when told that part of the story very glad indeed i would not have had you two more days more in company with a cider barrel for all the money a month's wages would give me it was certainly very nice to have such a mother nevertheless ben's heart was heavy during the two days that followed not a thing to be found to do he had not even the pleasure of trying the new machine and making himself useful if possible to mr reynolds for that gentleman sent word that he had unexpectedly been called out of town and would not be able to see him until the following monday a fellow might study lots if he only could ben said gloomily to line as he stood beside her while she washed the dinner dishes on the afternoon of the second day 
but you see my mind is so upset by having nothing to do that will bring in anything that i can't make it take to figures or dates or anything i believe i will learn to sew you and mother seem to have work enough here give me that cloth i can dry these dishes anyhow occasionally he found himself wondering whether it might not be possible that the pleasant-voiced young minister might know of something he could get to do twice during the afternoon he was tempted to go and see yet something held him back i am glad on the whole that he did not go because of a little conversation which miss webster had with the minister that evening after ben had gone that is an unusual boy richard miss webster said he has a good face said the minister he is a good boy i am deeply interested in him especially just now then she told about the mother's circumstances and ben's desire to help and the cider barrel and the disturbed conscience i shouldn't be surprised if i could find employment for him said the minister can you i hoped you could but richard i wish you would wait for a few days until he works out this problem by himself i hope he will leave there even before he finds other work and i think i even hope he will have to wait a little while after he has left before work comes to him it will make him stronger for the future i believe i see your point said the minister smiling well we will wait and see let the will assert itself so far as it is able so on the whole i am glad ben did not go to the minister just yet that evening he found opportunity to lay miss webster's scheme about daisy before his mother i don't know she said smiling and sighing after it had been fully talked over it is very kind in miss webster to think of it and i do not know but it might be the beginning of help in a very small way but daisy is the queerest child who was ever born i think sometimes there is no telling what she will think of it i almost fancy she will oppose it and i shouldn't like to force the child into anything of that kind mrs bryant was found to understand her small daughter better than line and ben did they declared that they thought she would like the scheme very much but she on being told of it looked not only grave but deeply grieved mamma oh mamma she said in the most distressed tone imaginable a tone which had also a touch of reproach in it sell my children what if i have a great many suppose you had thirty-five children oh dear said mamma well but mamma i know you haven't but just suppose you had would you like to open a store and sell them would you now really even if you could make as much as a whole dollar every little while daisy exclaimed line while ben leaned back in his chair and gave the first hearty laugh he had indulged in for two days you are the most ridiculous child who ever lived i am sure but daisy was grave and firm mamma would you think of such a thing for a moment little daughter said mrs bryant controlling her inclination to join ben's laugh as she saw the distress in her child's face there is not the least doubt in my mind that i would not think of such a thing for a moment not if i had thrice thirty-five children but dear child do you remember one thing 
my children would have souls which would live forever. Have yours? Poor Daisy! She looked down at the bit of work she was doing for one of the thirty-five, choked and swallowed, and had much ado to keep back the scalding tears, while she faltered out, I play they have, Mamma. Yes, my dear, I know you do, and that, I think, would make the tremendous difference between your case and mine. That is my little daughter's gravest fault, perhaps, that she plays too seriously. I like to have you use your imagination to a certain extent, dear. It is worth a great deal, at your age, to be able to do so. But there is such a thing as carrying it to an extreme, and I have sometimes been afraid that you did so. Not merely in this case, but do you remember how hard you cried when Arabella Aurelia fell into the tub of soapsuds, though it did not hurt her dress even, and you knew it wouldn't? However, for Daisy's head was still drooping, and it was evident that she had nothing to say, we will not talk more about this now. You will never be obliged, daughter, to carry out any plan of this sort unless you wish. It would probably not amount to very much in any case, and if you do not like to think of it as one way of helping you to learn how to be a little businesswoman, you need not. You are still too young to have heavy griefs, if mother and brother and sister can shield you from them, and if you really love the thirty-five with all your heart, we shall never consent to the sale of one of them. We shall find a way out of our perplexities without that sacrifice, I feel sure. Of course we shall said Ben, heartily. I shall find work very soon, mother. I feel it in my bones to-night. And Daisy need not part with one of her children. I sympathize with her. So do I, said Line. Poor little mouse, I remember just how I felt when my rag dolly dropped into the soap barrel and had to be burned. In many ways they tried to cheer their darling, and make her feel that the thirty-five children were safe and most welcome. But for all that, she made up her mind, only a few weeks thereafter, to part with them. The processes by which she arrived at that conclusion were very queer. End of chapter 12